In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hey, Broads and Books listeners, you obviously have good taste in podcasts, so I think you'll appreciate In the Atelier, another podcast for book-loving, creative people just like you. Each installment of In the Atelier brings you an artfully produced audio essay dealing with some aspect of the creative life or with literature or film, and always with the aim of providing mindful and inspiring content that you can take with you into your week. Find In the Atelier on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Amy. And I'm Erin, and this is episode 69, American Dream. American Dream. So this is a song by LCD Sound System, and I chose it because... I think it's something we've sort of talked around a bit in some of our themes, but we're taking it head on. And I bet we're coming in hot again, just like we did last week. (laughs) Yes. So hot. That's how we like to come in. That's how we like to come in. I wanted to, I wanted us to examine, like, what is this American dream? Is Mm -hmm. it real? Like, let's get into it. Let's talk about the truth of the American American dream. dream. Yeah. This feels like the start of a weird uh, cable news show for some reason. It really does. Like I expected the American flag to flash behind us, and then like we're getting after it. We're getting after it. That's Coming what Chris in Cuomo always says, "Let's get after it." Wow, I know it's a lot. Well, now I'm envisioning us with like a cable news segment, mm-hmm. and it's like the American Dream colon coming in hot, coming in hot. Yeah, that's not bad. And <laughs> with then, Amy and Erin. Yeah, yeah, I think that in between our American flag, we just have pictures of cats and see if people <laughs> notice. Like, wait, what was that? A cat? I don't. 
that? I mean, you know, that's one thing. The American Dream always talks about like a dog. Where's the cats? Where is the cats? Equal My opportunity for felines. Exactly. My dream is cats. And cats. I have cats now again. You are fulfilling so your American Dream again. I have two really big cats, as I described in last week's episode. They're amazing. So they are, they are full on the dream. They're continuing to bring delight you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. In fact, I sent you yesterday a slow-mo video. Which your children very really got inspired about, by. Right? Yeah, yeah, very inspired by. Did they then yes. go and create a slow-mo video? Yes, okay. they've made some ninja scenes that are <laughs> slow-mo. So it's a little different vein than the cat, but... Hey, they were inspired, yes. and I'm glad to inspire them. It's it's perfect. Anything that keeps them entertained for Good Lord, you yeah. know, a little bit of time, I'm yeah. grateful for. Wow. Mm-hmm. I can just imagine them doing some ninja moves. Oh, yeah. Slow-mo. Well... At first, Mason didn't quite understand that that's an effect that Evan that you can don't do. have to do the mm-hmm. slow mo. Okay, yeah, yeah he that's was what I wondered. Doing yeah. it in slow mo, uh-huh. and then when mm-hmm. then it, that was funny because Evan actually slowed it down even more in slow mo. <laughs> but then Mason got it. it. Was like, oh, I can just kick like normal. And yes, then, yeah. It's like this is even better because mm-hmm. wow. Mason frequently likes to do slow motion. Like, I think you've mentioned this. Just yes go into that like uh-huh. oh we're doing it slow motion now wow usually at inopportune times like oh it's time for bed oh slow motion to oh my bed. boy yeah your six-year-old continues to be diabolical oh yeah in some weird ways yeah, yeah. like every time i hear a new story i'm like this is yeah this is something mm-hmm. this we should is... all really be prepared <laughs> i don't sleeping with one eye open <laughs> speaking of mason he's super psyched to meet the new broads in the studio isn't he very excited yeah. he actually made me promise that today before oh. i left oh i would nail down Wait, a date, a date. Yeah. okay because Great. yesterday he just casually threw out sure so we're just gonna go meet those cats tomorrow <laughs> like i had said that and i was like no no nope, no 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 Mm-mm. oh but soon i'm like Okay, yeah, soon. That was yeah. aggressive. Yeah. He also established a while back that I don't have the Rona, so I'm safe. Right, yes. yes. He feels very confident that you do not have the virus. Which so. I'm, I'm glad that he has confidence in me yeah. in that way. Yeah. That I'm not filthy with Corona. Because mm-hmm. I'm not. No. Not yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> not that we know of. <laughs> I was going to say that sounded like excited. and Yeah. I don't mean it that no, way. I'm not no. excited to get the Rona. No. 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 I hope that you don't. I hope that you don't. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's part of the American dream right there. Just have a friend that doesn't want you to have Corona. And have a friend that we are literally connected via headphones this afternoon. Uh, yeah, we have a afternoon. new setup today. Yeah. Yeah. We're using a new interface and have a head spl- headphone splitter. So my headphones are literally connected to Aaron. So I feel like you're on a leash. I kind of feel like that. if you like get too hot, <laughs> ah! I can sort of like, stop it, stop it. <laughs> or if I get up suddenly, which yes. hasn't ever happened, but no. should it, we'll both tumble. Oh, we will tumble hard. Yeah. And it will be recorded for posterity. It's going to be great. Because <laughs> everyone wants that. For sure. <laughs> okay, so thinking about the American dream. Yeah. What do you think is the most disappointing part of the American dream? That it hasn't changed. I feel oh, like yeah. they established this idea of the American dream way back in 1776. And, <laughs> 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 and it was a hypocritical idea even then. Yeah. And, you know, it's sort of morphed with the times uh, slightly, but not really. Because it's all about a guy getting a wife and two kids and a house with a picket fence and a dog and not cats. Again, yeah, yeah. unfair. Maybe the material of the fence has changed in years, but <laughs> right. that's about it. <laughs> and I don't like that. I mean, it's uh, not realistic by any means for because not everyone's going to have the economic 
capacity to buy a house, especially in today's market. Right. So I, I don't like that it hasn't changed, that it doesn't encompass the majority of people, I mm-hmm. think, and that it's it's built that way from the start. And so it's going to um, disappoint so many people. And that's what disappoints me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all very valid. Mm-hmm. I Thank like you. it. Thank you. Aaron. Mm-hmm. I mean, thinking about dreams, Mm -hmm. what's your overall feeling about dreams? You know, there's, like we said, this American dream, there's this idea that we have to follow our American dream, but also have to follow our own dreams. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think it's all BS? Do you think it's just specifically the American dream? No, I think it's all BS. Yeah. I don't, I just think that the word dream stirs up a negative connotation. Yeah. I think it's, I think in the word, it seems like it's not achievable. It's a dream. Yes. Oh, what a dream. Yes. The very idea of it is not sustainable right I mean I guess if you're going to talk about something I would call it a goal or I think a better way to frame it especially for younger generations would be passions or interests I think Mm -hmm. that framing this idea that there's an American dream perpetuates this idea that everybody's going to have the ability to do something they love for a living and Mm -hmm. make a ton of money and have everything that they want and that's not true no and it's not what everyone wants anyway you know no exactly first of all you're putting everyone in the same box and second of all that's just not achievable Mm -hmm. and i don't think that we do a good job of teaching younger generations that that your work might not be your most favorite thing in your life right you know maybe and that's okay exactly Mm -hmm. maybe you have an interest or passion outside of that that you pursue and that's great then then put your energy into that but maybe what you make your money at to make a living isn't going to be where your heart is mm-hmm. and and that's okay too there's value in having a job because you want other things like it it doesn't have to look the same for everyone yes i think that's the what i was trying to say with the disappointing too it thing too is that yeah it's it's assuming that everyone has the same Mm-hmm. dream I also don't like that yeah dreams like it's not attainable it's not a goal it's yeah. not like you know something it's that not you can measurable set. right and there's yeah. no like steps to get there mm-hmm. you know we've talked to different authors I'm thinking specifically of Nana Kwame Ajibrenya who was like looking at authors and never pictured himself there because mm-hmm. he couldn't see the steps to get from here to there mm-hmm. and so I think that's why something like that is characterize it as a dream yeah and then it sort of keeps people out because you can't see the steps to get there it also if you want to look at it another way gives you an excuse to fail absolutely because it's impossible so yeah. oh yeah i want to be a heart surgeon well right. i'm not i really don't want to be but that sounds mm-hmm. like something i should want to be and i don't want to take all the classes that i have to yeah. take to get there and, yeah. yeah and if we took that this idea of a dream away then people would be more comfortable saying look i, I don't want to do that this is what i want to do mm-hmm. you know like maybe your dream is i you know i want to be middle management and come home and have a family or be on a kick-ass adult soccer team i don't there know there you go but that's okay embrace it it doesn't have to be this idea of dream becomes so lofty then like oh it's got to be some huge thing yes yes and then it sort of sets you up that your whole life you're chasing this dream yes and then what happens if you actually do get this dream then everything's supposed to be good right you're supposed to be super happy and all is well and you never have issues again in which that's Mm -hmm. a crack of shit it reminds me of this ted talk that i listened to a long time ago about the fallacy of overnight success and how frustrating that is and dreams kind of fall in that category like Mm -hmm. it's a quick way to to put a label on something and negate all the work that got someone there because we talk about that a lot with historical figures or people that are held up as role models like Mm -hmm. oh they had this dream and they wouldn't give up well 
it wasn't that they had a dream. It was that they had a goal and they put in the work. Like Mm -hmm. they did not get deterred. They worked at it every single day. They took the steps. They were dedicated. Right. And if we taught that, a lot more people would be prepared to do work as opposed to just say, well, that's my dream. Why aren't, why don't I have it? I think you're right. The dream sort of sets you up to be passive versus active. Like, you know, it's just saying you're waiting for the call to come. You're waiting for someone to tap you as the next, you know, whatever you're dreaming to be. And it takes out, there's no, where's failure in that? Like you're going to fail multiple times before you get there Mm -hmm. in anything that you do. So where's the steps for that? Mm -hmm. If I'm a Care Bear in the clouds, (laughs) if I fail, where do I go? Was that your dream to be a Care Bear in the clouds? Kind of. I had the Care Bear phone. Did you? I was pretty impressed with it. Wow. I I didn't have that. It was something. Looked like a cloud. You called Care Bears on it. I don't know really (laughs) what the end goal was. (laughs) Wait, when you picked it up, did it have like Care Bears talking to you? I think it did have like little, did it? I think it did have little voices. Like, But they didn't really, like, I don't remember specifically what they said, I guess. Maybe it was just, yeah. But I loved that. I remember that. Wow. Mm-hmm. That was my dream. And That's I had fit. And you yeah. had it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also think of like, a, you know, when you're a kid, you have dreams. Like I wanted an easy bake oven and then I got one. And then you did. And I'm like, By it's Santa. a light bulb. <laughs> cooking a cookie that's gonna take hours. And I get one cook. What is this? Yeah, Who what sold is this? me this? This dream sucks. Why didn't someone to tell me to just ask mom to bake some cookies? Yeah. That would have been a better, yeah. Much better avenue. <laughs> That's so funny that you bring that up because I remember as a kid, like literally having dreams about this like Muppet doll toy that I wanted or something. And I had one dream one night and it was so vivid. And I was like waking up. I was like, I got it. And then I go like running around the house looking. I don't even know what the hell this thing was. But that was like the mindset. Like things are just going to come to me. Yes. And I don't have to like do anything to get it. Right. And then I think we somehow this American dream, the idea of it then sort of, uh, you know, perpetuates that idea. It sure does. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think that there's more than a financial cost to the American dream? I do. I mean, obviously, there's the financial cost of like, if you're if you're going after that home, or you're going after that, whatever, you got to shell out some money. Mm -hmm. But I think there's also a mental cost. Mm -hmm. Because I think the insidious part of this is that if we don't achieve the American dream, if we don't succeed, then it's our fault. Right. And so then we have to take on the burden of that. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I, man, I really effed this up. Like, oh, I didn't get what I worked for. So I'm somehow not as good as I thought I was, or I'm not a, a great person. You know, all those things right. that we can yeah. then our mind can mm-hmm. get to work on. Um, I think it discounts too all the issues that are baked into our system. You know, it, mm-hmm. it says that like, you know, if, if somehow we don't achieve something because there's a bias against people that look like you, mm-hmm. then it's your fault. It's not the system's fault, right. which is, you know, another mental thing. Then suddenly you start doubting yourself suddenly, unless you can finally look at it with a critical eye and be like, wait a second, this mm-hmm. whole American dream is BS. Mm-hmm. Then you can get past that. But mm-hmm. otherwise, I, I think, yeah, the biggest part of that is it just tries to trick you into believing that you're not good enough and that you're not. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, we tell ourselves that enough anyway. We don't need something else telling us. And and the converse is true. People that achieve it, that maybe by their own privilege, it sort of tricks them into thinking that they achieve something that's possible for everyone when it's not. The playing field isn't even. Exactly. So So they start thinking their experience is everyone's experience. mm -hmm. So why can't you do it? Why can't you pull yourself up by your bootstraps? Which I fucking hate that thing. What is that even I don't even know. What bootstraps are you talking about? (laughs) 
My Maybe shoes used have to have straps. straps that you pulled up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen rain boots that have those little loops yeah. at the top, but like my like boots that I yeah. wear in the winter don't have. Did cowboy boots have? They didn't have straps. No. So I don't know where the hell this came boot from. Straps. You boot pull straps. you right pull out by them your up boot straps. Boot straps. <laughs> and then buy my overalls. <laughs> and then I'm the devil with yeah, my hooves and, and my boots. Hang me on a hook <laughs> so that I don't get away. <laughs> Again, I hope the Southern contingent of listeners just skips this episode. <laughs> just skip the last 20 seconds or so. <laughs> With this terrible also, accent that we both do. If yeah. you understand where bootstraps came from, feel free Please tell to us. let us know. Yeah. Because I would say I'm going to Google it, but uh, probably not. I bet I'm not. Because <laughs> I bet if we Google it, there's going to be all sorts of things about how to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't need that kind of I don't stuff. Need I don't it. need that kind of evil in my life. No. No. Not today, Satan. <laughs> maybe tomorrow maybe tomorrow well okay so i think we've established that the idea of the american dream is faulty and even if we do get it we're probably not going to be as happy as we were promised to be right what do you think defines happiness i don't think there is a definition interesting i think that that's the fallacy of happiness yeah that it's the only way to define happiness is for yourself specifically and individually. And so if you are trying to compare your happiness to someone else's, it's never, you're never going to feel happy because mm-hmm. it's always going to seem like somebody has more. Mm-hmm. Somebody's relationship is better. Somebody's family's better. Someone's kids are better. Someone's better at this, that, or the other has more yeah. money, anything. I mean, you can find a million things. So if we didn't spend as much time comparing and you just said, these are the things that make me happy, and I'm happy, mm-hmm. and I'm good, which is really, you know, central to a lot of things, just being okay with yourself, you know, being able to sit with yourself and say, I'm content, I'm happy with this. Mm-hmm. And if there are things that you're not happy about, that gives you the power to change them yeah. or to make goals to move in that direction yeah. as opposed to, well, I'm not happy because I don't have everything that my neighbor has, so... Yes. I think it's also this idea, and this sounds like one of those really cheesy things that you could buy at like home goods that you put up on the wall or something, <laughs> that it's a destination. Like happiness is a place. Like yes. and once you hit that place, once you've achieved all these specific yes. things, then boom, happiness. Yeah. But it's a journey, Aaron. Oh. <laughs> oh. How did I not see that coming? I was there. Again. Yes. Home goods sign. It is. You're right. And that's what this whole episode is about go to home goods like i don't know (laughs) all right i guess put us on your headphones and walk around home goods and let us know if you find some stuff i guess is what we're getting at it's just a journey Aaron. and while you're there find your own happiness (laughs) i can't define it for you no i can't do that kind of work Mm -mm. i can't define everyone's happiness i can define my own yes and i can tell you a couple things that make me happy Mm, what are they books oh yeah food oh god yeah some people uh, yeah i mean some some people okay oh yeah some people know oh, that's hell clearly no. no no so some things that make me happy are avoiding some people oh god yeah mm-hmm. like canceling things with some people yeah. cancellation <laughs> that is it's elation from canceling meetings and i love it yes yeah, yeah absolutely it really is yeah there's a certain kind of high from that that <laughs> You just can't express. When you were younger, do, do you do you remember like thinking about the American dream and wanting to get there? Um, I don't know if I had it 
if I remember thinking about it and thinking I wanted to get there, I think it was more this feeling of that's what you were supposed to do. Exactly. Yeah, I think so too. Like there's an idea you're supposed to get married. You're supposed to have a family. You're supposed to buy a house. These are steps that you're supposed to take. But no one discusses at what point do you know you're ready for those things? Right. Or if you want them, if you actually want them for yourself. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If you're just going, oh, this is the next step and this is the next step, then at every spot that you're in your life, you're going to make that work Mm -hmm. instead of really examining it for what it is. And I think another problem then with the American dream, like I knew that I didn't want to get married. I didn't want to have kids. And so then it left almost sort of a gaping hole. Like, well, shit, what am I supposed to do now? Right. Like, you know, because so many people, they get these things because then it's supposed to give you meaning in your life. Well, what do I do? Like, how do I give myself meaning? And yeah, it's just been a, you know, kind of a constant effort to redefine that and to understand that it's okay to redefine that and that it's okay that if you don't want all those things. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And and that kind of goes along with what we were talking about with what you choose to do for a profession. Mm -hmm. It's okay to say, you know what, I don't, it's not my favorite thing in the world. Mm -hmm. You know what? No, I don't love my job, but brings home the bacon you know what makes me happy yeah books books cats oh <laughs> that's new <laughs> some people as well not every people but some people do bootstraps make you happy no they do not <laughs> i don't want any straps on my boots okay no straps <laughs> you know what else makes stra- me happy strapless boots. <laughs> bootless straps what does that even mean Here's just pieces of fabric here pull yourself up by them <laughs> got you some new straps <laughs> you know what also makes me happy mm. ice cream sandwiches like vegan ice cream Be- sandwiches. yeah yeah, yeah your yeah, specific yeah. vegan ones yeah. yeah those are those are and good. vegan chocolate donuts again those things like they're real hard i got a budget for them because yeah. they <laughs> they're expensive but yeah. i love them but they bring me happiness erin they should i'm a simple girl yeah you know what has also brought me happiness recently? Hmm. I, a certain listener made us a delicious peach crisp. Oh, my God. I thought about yes. quite a few times since eating Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know who you are, listener. And it's haunting our dreams. It is. And uh, we need more of it. I wake up spooning things into my mouth that aren't <laughs> peach crisp. So... <laughs> That was really disturbing. Yeah, sorry. I don't know. I just don't want to picture you spooning things in your mouth. It's just air. I don't know. I don't okay. know. I don't like it, Aaron. All right. All right. It all doesn't right. make me happy. I'm sorry. I bet your first fiction pick will make us happy. God. It, I mean, it did and it didn't. And that's why I'm picking it. Okay. But my fiction pick is called The Prettiest Star by carter sickles this is hot off the presses coming in hot with a pick right off the presses and in the book it is 1986 and brian the main character he is 24 he's gay and aids has decimated this new york community where he lives and terrified the country too at the time his boyfriend who was the love of his life has just died and he himself is sick So at the very beginning, he's thinking about all this. He's considering suicide. But then the idea of home calls to him. His mother and his father, his little sister, back home in a small, small town, Ohio. I think it was like 1,200 people, like real, real small. He hasn't talked to them in years. Like when he was 18, he left. He knew he had no place there. And so he took out for New York and hasn't really looked back. But he wants to go home to die. 
So from that starting point, we hear from his mother, Sharon, as she is sort of grappling with this son who is different from what she expected. And so maybe because of that, also different from what she wanted. Mm -hmm. And also an extended family that thinks that AIDS is punishment for being gay. Um, And he, you know, he's coming home and Sharon, the mother, is, uh, you know, they're still thinking that the disease can be transmitted by using the same cups. So she has taken it upon herself to wash all the cups and have him have a special cup and like got to wash the linens and got to use rubber gloves and all the stuff that just is, you know, obviously has been discounted. But this was at the time when a lot of straight America just didn't didn't know and didn't really care to learn. Mm -hmm. We also learn, we also hear in the book from uh, Brian's younger sister, Jess, who is a teenager surrounded by other cruel teenagers, mm-hmm. and they're using AIDS as a punchline. And then we hear from Brian himself, you know, as his body is betraying him, as he tries to reconnect with his family over the, the bridge of this double whammy, the fact that he's gay and the fact that he has AIDS. Both of those are hard hitting to this family mm-hmm. in this small town. So... There's, besides the three of them, the three main characters, there's also other wonderful characters. There's Brian's grandmother who just loves him, just unconditionally loves him, doesn't care, talks about the fact that her uh, brother was a a creative type. And so an artistic type. (laughs) An artistic type. Yes. So we know what that means. Um, We also hear from another gay man who's trying to live in this small town, um, a friend from New York, and a talk show host that gets involved when Brian gets into the community pool and the town freaks the fuck out. And what's crazy, I learned in the acknowledgments of this book that that was based on a true episode, Oprah like came to this came to a small town when a similar incident happened and sort of you know took the story from there so Carter Sickles was kind of basing that experience on on this so the reason I chose for this theme is that Sharon the mom especially she subscribes hard to the American dream she is a good woman she goes to church she helps in the community all the things that you're supposed to do so having a gay son And then having a gay son that's dying at age 24 from this disease that everyone is terrified of, it isn't supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. Not to her, not to her family. Like, these are things that she has, all of her actions has led to something else, Mm -hmm. but she's not getting it. Which, to me, it kind of showed that the dream is limited, you know, just like we were talking about. Mm -hmm. That that the American dream is limited to Christians, Mm -hmm. to good mothers, to white, straight people, to people that fit into boxes that have been defined. And that shows the fallacy of it Mm -hmm. to me. And Um, that if you just do everything right, then you get it automatically. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it doesn't have room for anything else. Mm -hmm. So... It's also the idea that it's all on you. You just got to work hard. You got to do this. You got to take all this responsibility. But Mm -hmm. still, something could happen. And then that's your fault Mm -hmm. somehow. So, you know, obviously that's not how it happens. That negates the idea of this disease. That negates the idea of being different while also still being a a beautiful and valuable human, Mm -hmm. you know. So besides that, other things to know about this book, I cried hard. And I don't cry at books no. very often. And I remember I texted you yeah. and I was like, I can't get myself together. Like this is, uh, I obviously needed a good cry and I got it. You did. I remember you saying that. You This was very, 
high roll for you. At one point, I was just walking around the house sobbing. So I, I like that know. you felt the need to move just while move. you were doing it. I don't know if I was trying to do tasks or something, or yeah, just wandering around. That's an odd like, instinct. I, I like to just know. sit. I don't want to do anything. Me too. I'm just so going to sit. In my I don't sorrow. know if I was trying to shake it off or oh, what, but I bet you were. It wasn't working. No. Whatever was happening, it was just straight up sobbing. Also, that was probably exacerbated by the fact that this is related to David Bowie. The, I mean, yeah, think about yeah, that. The, yeah. the song or the title of the book comes from one of his songs. Um, the sections are all different uh, songs of his. There's a section towards the end titled Starman, and then the content of that mixed with the title. That's what did me it. It got you. And I couldn't, uh, I couldn't stop. And then final thing to know, we are talking to Carter, Sick- Carter Sickles soon. Yes. Because I loved this so much. It was like, we got to get him on we here. We need to talk to him. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm gonna be honest and tell him that uh, I couldn't should. get my shit together yeah. after this. I think that that's a high compliment. I hope so. And I hope that he's not just like Jesus. No, okay. I think it, you're, that means your writing is incredibly impactful. Yes. So I, that has to be a compliment. Okay. Do you think yes. that's what I should say first up? Be like, listen, hi, Carter. I cried real hard. Yeah. Okay. Lead. Okay. Lead right away <laughs> with the sobbing and walking. <laughs> I'm just going to watch your face on Zoom and see if you're like, uh-uh, uh-uh. Back up, back up. Mm-mm, nope, stop it. No, no. Now you're describing where you were in every room. <laughs> that is not what I said. <laughs> back out. Yeah, back out now. Back out. <laughs> well, uh, my book is also hot off the presses. Hot off the presses. Hot off the presses. August 2020. Oh, my goodness. Coming at you hot. It's yeah. already gotten a lot of buzz. Luster oh, by Raven Lalani. This one is being talked about. Everywhere. Everywhere. First of all, because the cover is amazing. Yes. I so have this cool. as a library book, and I've just been staring at the cover. It's, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. It's yeah. a Luster is a, the title is a reference to um, a painting term, mm-hmm. but also, you know, the shine of yourself. Yes. The shine of the American dream, if you will. Oh, mm. nice one. Did you like that? I did. Every once in a while. Man, oh man. Something Those connects pearls up there. Come right out there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Woo, something fires. All right. Well, uh, the main character, Edie, is making her way through her 20s. Um, she is struggling in a lot of ways. She has a job that she sort of likes and hopes is leading somewhere else with a publisher. Um, but what she really wants to do is work in the art department. And that's not where she's working currently. She's kind of helping talent get through situations. Um, but she's got this talent for drawing, painting, and she would like to use that in another way. Uh, but unfortunately, she kind of keeps making questionable decisions at work in her personal life with sexual partners, and it leads to her being fired. Mm. Um, and before before she's fired, she stumbles into a relationship with a man uh, named Eric who's married and older, uh, but whose wife has said that she's okay with an open relationship as long as she gets to dictate the rules Uh so Edie kind of stumbles into this without really thinking about what that means or what that looks like Um, she struggles a little bit with the fact that Eric changes as their relationship goes on um, and with how much actual control his wife actually has over their relationship Um, so after she ends up unemployed and in a super weird postmates delivery situation she ends up delivering something to Eric's wife and Eric's wife realizes very quickly uh, that Edie's down on her luck like there she's losing her apartment she's losing her roommate she lost her job so Eric happens to be out of town on business and the wife invites her to come home and stay with them oh boy so 
at first you're kind of trying to figure out why would you do this? Um, And one of the things that you quickly learn is that Eric and his wife have adopted a daughter, a teenage daughter who is black. And they think that Raven could be, I'm not sorry, not the author Raven, Edie, um, (laughs) could be the connection to help her. um, That they don't don't have that ability. They're Mm -hmm. both white. And so they think maybe having Edie in the house, having someone that she can talk to, to help mentor her might be a good idea. So you sort of see like maybe there's this other reason that the wife is open to this, but that doesn't really seem to explain yeah. all of it. Okay. Um, so she finds herself in the middle of this very weird family dynamic where everything's changing. There's like racial politics going on in society, mm-hmm. even within the family. She's got some weird sexual lines being crossed. Um, and in between all this, she's just trying to figure out what's going on with her own life. Like mm-hmm. she seems to have been sort of passive up to this point. And also dealing with some of the stuff from her own past and history that has dictated where she's gotten to and has sort of made her vulnerable in some of these situations. And I picked it for this theme this week because I think that this book embodies what I think the American dream should actually be. I think that we're seeing someone who is trying to live out the idea that if you just want it bad enough, Mm -hmm. it'll happen. But the reality is that isn't enough. And not everybody gets to achieve that. That a lot of times having talent and working hard is only half the battle. Yeah. There's a there's an element of having to believe in yourself. There's an element of confidence. There's an element of... Connections. Connections. Mm-hmm. Dedi- uh, yeah, there's so many layers that just assuming that this is going to happen. And there's quite a few times in the book that Edie seems to sort of fall into that. Like, hey, I'm doing this. So shouldn't that mean that I get this? Yeah. I'm doing this. Shouldn't that mean that I get this? And to me, that's right there like we've been talking about is the problem with the american dream if i check these boxes then i get this thing at the end Mm -hmm. it's a very reward-based system and it doesn't always work like that and i think as we see her grow we see her definition of what she wants change we see her ability to get that change and we see her look at the way that that's going to come about that that's going to be different and it's going to look different and so that's, I, I think the title is genius. Mm-hmm. The book is genius. The characters are genius. I read this so fast. It's so good. It's worth every piece of praise and awards and whatever else that comes its way. It deserves it all. Everyone Fantastic. should read it. And she's a debut author, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And this book couldn't be more timely. I mean, it's yeah. just a great, it's wonderful. And it's relatable on so many levels. It's you should get it just for the cover, if nothing else, but because <laughs> it looks good on your bookshelf, but also because it's a I mean, this is a killer book. Seriously. Yeah. So, you know what that made me think of, too, is um, and I'm assuming that uh, this character is pretty young. I feel like that's part of uh you know, especially in your 20s, if you go to college and then you get out of college and you feel like, okay, I've checked the boxes. Now, why isn't everything working the way it right. should? Yeah. It feels like such a, almost a rite of passage when you're young to have to grapple with that and then get past it if you can. Yeah. Which then reminded me, remember when you came up with a graduation speech for uh, people? <laughs> I think you should add this to that speech where what you basically said was like, none of this shit matters. Uh-uh. It doesn't. And look under your chair. That's your student loan bill. Mm -hmm. It's coming right at you. So now you should probably go get a real job. (laughs) Whatever you thought you were going to do is out the window. So yeah, I think I'm adding a part to your speech Mm -hmm. where you talk about the American dream bullshit. That's a lie. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you figured that out yet. Yep. That's a lie. This was all bullshit. You Mm -hmm. wasted four, six, eight years. (laughs) Get that bill and hit the road because you got work to do and it's not going to be pretty. Okay. Oh. 
such a motivational speaker you are. Yeah, I yeah. think just real to the just point. real talk. <laughs> just some real talk at you. <laughs> oh, I want to be there in the stands when you give that graduation speech. Uh, yeah, and then I just want to document all the kids' faces when they're like, "Wait, what? Huh? 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 Is this a comedian? Huh? What is happening What's right happening? now?" Yeah. yeah. And then I'm going to be like, hey, look under your chair. Mm-hmm. If you have a circle, hold it up. And like one person's going to hold it up and it'll be like, that's the only person that's going to do what they went to school for. <laughs> that is the only person in this whole auditorium who's going to use that degree that yep. they have right now. Yep. Rest of you. So just take that in right now. Get to know it. Five years from Live now, with you're going to be in a break room eating a free donut laughing mm-hmm. about how you majored in journalism and yeah. you don't even know how you ended up. In this weird office building. Mm -mm. And that's life, kids. Mm -hmm. That's life. And it's hard. You know, I'm glad I'm not in my 20s anymore. Right? I'm glad I'm not in my 30s anymore. Just generally, like, you know, I feel like so much of that time is, yeah, you have to get past that stuff. You have Mm -hmm. to realize, like, oh, I was sold a bill of goods. Right. It's not real. Flim flam artist told me. Up to some tomfoolery. Some snake oil salesman <laughs> told me about the American dream. And I bought in with my boots. Bought in hard. Oh, there's a cat coming into the oh. uh, studio. Oh. Let's see what happens here. What I've discovered so far about this cat that's coming in, Louise, she's oh. a big gal. She's got a tiny little meow. So a oh. tiny little sound that comes I'm from a big gal. Yeah, I know. She hasn't been around no, me yet. she hasn't. Oh, hello, friend. So that's her. I'm going to describe what's happening right now. There's a black and white cat that's coming in, mm-hmm. sniffing everything like she's never been in this room before, but she has. Mm-hmm. I have photographic evidence. Yes. Yeah. Really what she's doing, she's telegraphing to you mm-hmm. that, hey, I realize something's wrong in here, mm-hmm. and it's you. It's me. I'm sniffing like I can't figure out the smell, but mm-hmm. it's yours. But smell. I totally know mm-hmm. what's happening. I don't like it. Yeah. Mm-mm. Hmm. Well... So that's happening. We'll mm-hmm. just keep a we'll keep a running update on what's going on. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 she's approaching you. Oh my goodness. Is this when your allergies make your head explode? <laughs> Is this just, when we have oh. to stop and take you to the oh. hospital? EpiPen. No, it's not that bad. I probably won't res- be able to resist touching her. Oh, and they'll have to you're wash gonna my have hands. To touch her. And then you're going to touch your face and it's going to be terrible. And my eyes are going to be like this at the end. Oh my God, look at this. Yep. Oh, she's oh. coming. She's coming for you. She doesn't like that I'm sitting in this chair, I don't yeah. think. Yeah. Although I'm not getting the nefarious vibe that I did from Fiona. Not at all. And we were talking about this actually before the episode that I was in such an abusive relationship with Podcat that it's so weird that these cats just want love and that's all that they want. Isn't she so soft? She's petting. So Erin is petting the kitty. She's, she's going to pay for this later. Yeah. And she let me. Oh, my goodness. She didn't even let Garth do this. I feel as though maybe she likes me. I think so. And she's not going to try and shove me down the stairs. Yeah, which is a change. This is a big change. For those of you who haven't listened uh, to all of our episodes, there was a previous podcast who really tried to murder Aaron on multiple (sighs) Multiple occasions. occasions. Yeah. Did not like me even a little bit. Man, oh, man. This is shocking, this development. I thought it would be Thelma. Yeah. Maybe what's happening is is Louise maybe heard us laughing and was like, I want to get in on that. I'm abroad. I want to join in. Yes. They want some of the jolly time. (laughs) They're not annoyed like Fiona is like, what is this nonsense? What is going on? On a Sunday. Why are you here on the Lord's Day? (laughs) 
And she thought the Lord's Day was her day. day. Yeah. <laughs> this is my day. Yeah, you just made friends. Good for you. Did you hear the tiny little yeah, meow? That's the tiniest meow I've ever heard. Did she have her voice box removed? <laughs> I doubt the microphones even picked that no, up. No, there's no way. Oh my god. It's like a bird. It is. It's a tiny little bird out I of a 20-pound cat. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, this is unprecedented. A cat in this house that actually likes you. I don't know what to do. No. I feel a little sweaty. It feels so all unknown. I don't know. I feel like I'm going to mess it up somehow. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, yeah. yeah, that little cat interlude. I'm sure there'll be more because she's still stand, standing right next she to me. She is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm going to start talking about the other genre book. Do. Because we got books to talk about. Yeah. Not just cats. No. But we do talk about cats a, a lot. lot. Yeah, it's true. So my other genre book is a memoir. And it comes from Darnell L. Moore, who is a writer and an activist. Um, and this came from 2018. And it's called No Ashes in the Fire, Coming of Age, Black and Free in America. So Darnell grew up in the 1980s in Camden, New Jersey, in a pretty big family. And he grew up in a poorer neighborhood. And being black and poor shaped him from an early age. And so did the knowledge that he was gay. So there's some really tough moments as he's growing up that he writes about. Um, An abusive father, really biased teachers, some violent moments with the police and with neighborhood boys. And one particularly terrible moment when neighborhood boys set him on fire because he was gay. Ah, that's... Yeah. So, that's such a gut punch. Thankfully, the fire didn't catch. His aunt came to this rescue. But seriously. How does a person get there? Like, right. I'm going to light another person yeah. on fire. And a group of them. Yeah. I. Yeah. <sighs> so he, what's fascinating to me is there's some really tough stuff here, but mm-hmm. he writes about all of it with this deep empathy um, for his father, for his family, for people who are victimizers and for victims. And he works through his life story and how he becomes an adult in a world that wants black gay men to sit down and shut up. So he moves to Philadelphia. He's living as an out gay man. And he also charts his path to activism, being a key member at Black Lives Matter. It's written so well. It's deeply touching. You see the love and the pain of his family and growing up. And it's just a beautiful, rewarding book. So I chose this for this theme because I feel like the American dream is not for people like Darnell, you know? Yeah. It's not for those who grow up poor and black, and mm-hmm. that's shown by the very fact that businesses abandon poor communities like this, and the government strips protections, and the media paints this as their own fault. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they're, they're painted as ghettos, inner cities, projects, like lost causes, mm-hmm. you know? And what I was kind of saying with one of my questions earlier, or one of our questions that we were discussing is, he's... Uh, you're supposed to take this as a personal fault, like being poor and black is your own fault. Mm-hmm. And so then what do you do? You know, how can you live that way? How can you still be mm-hmm. part of the American dream? And you can't. Mm-hmm. And so Darnell does a great job of picking apart how that all works. Mm-hmm. I think also the American dream is generally just not for black men. Um, he's painted as a criminal because he's black mm-hmm. and he's not a full man because he's gay. So he talks through that as well. And it's a fascinating perspective. And I think also the book shows that the American dream sort of gives tears of privilege. And what I mean by that is like, you know, he's had a couple strikes against him for being black and gay, but 
he also had more privilege because he was a man versus a black woman right. or a gay woman, right. you know? And so he digs into the idea of how manhood works in that way and, mm. and admits to the idea that he's probably hurt black women in his life because he subscribed to that as much as he was fighting against, sure. you know, the, the accepted story of things. Mm-hmm. Um, he's so thoughtful. He's very personal when he writes about all this, but it's also deeply researched and fantastic information. And I loved it. Wow. And man, after reading this, you will understand why the American dream is a fallacy. Well, then this was a perfect pick and I need to you. read it. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. I uh, picked a short story collection for the other genre pick this week called Unclean Jobs for Women and Girls Ooh. by Alyssa Nutting. Yeah. So I recommended Tampa. Tampa. Yeah. Way back in the day. Yes. And this is written in 2010, I believe before Tampa. Yeah. I um, think so. It's a short story collection. And... Before I explain why I picked it, I need to explain that this collection is very weird and twisty and funny in all the best ways. Mm -hmm. But it's also not everyone's sense of humor. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah, but it has so much to say if it is and you're willing to take the ride with her. So on the surface, it's a collection of stories about women doing work. Like one is a porn star in space. One's a cat sitter. Um, The variety of jobs that they have. And none of the jobs are what we would view as typical, but, you know, they're doing work. And this is kind of what I think is the magic of this book, is that it's actually illustrating, one, how work does not is not synonymous with the American dream. Yeah. But also, it really gets at the heart of the extra work that females do outside of the job oh that God. they get paid for. Yes. And how that's never included nope. in your dreams and how you're going to achieve them mm-hmm. when you have all this other stuff to do. So it talks a lot about how women's lives in particular are full of a whole lot more of things that than just what they earn money at. And I think she brings that out in the most creative and interesting ways. And I'm a sucker for dark, funny stories. That's my jam. So this is right up my alley. Again, like I said, some of it's, it's a twisty sense of humor, so it's not going to be for everyone. Um, the book opens with people in a boiling pot of broth <laughs> that are being pulled out by a chef to be prepared for dinner. I've read that story, and it's everything you could want and more but you're right it's not everybody's cup of tea right yeah, yeah exactly mm-hmm. but and the rest of the of the stories are like that mm-hmm. so i i highly highly recommend it um if you've read other things by that i've recommended like i would say this is in the vein a little bit of maybe a simon rich Ooh. or um maybe even uh raphael bob waxberg that yeah. wrote um everyone someone who will love you in all your damaged glory Mm -hmm. if that's kind of your sense of humor you know it's a little bit different then this is going to be right up your alley so you should definitely check it out i think it has a lot to say about parts of the american dream that just aren't included yes i think that's such a good point that you made that women especially the labor that we have to do like the second jobs that we have to do Mm -hmm. like if you're working all day and you're a mom and a wife then how do you achieve these lofty dreams Mm -hmm. when you have so much other stuff in your way and it's another way in which there's only a small group of the population that's going to actually be able to fulfill an American mm-hmm. dream because that path is laid for them to do so. And they they can't see outside themselves that other people's paths are not laid out that right. way. And then when you don't, um, when you're not able to keep it all together from working multiple jobs and putting right. out all that emotional labor, it's your fault. Yes, absolutely. You are messing up. Yep. You know 100%. who's not messing up? 
It's Louise. Louise is getting it. Louise has just been um, over here getting rubbing against my hand. Yeah. But look at she's looking direct at you. She is, and this she's is not... such a fascinating developing story. It is. Everyone. <laughs> breaking news. The breaking news. <laughs> Louise likes me. <laughs> Oh, I think she wants up on yeah, the podcast yeah. table. Yeah, which, so if uh, listeners, you hear a thud soon, that will be the sound <laughs> of one of my 20-pound cats hitting the studio table, which will be quite a sound for all of us to hear. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of looking forward to it and also terrified. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Either mm-hmm. way. Breaking news. Yes. <laughs> well, interesting that you were talking about women especially and some of the ways that the American dream fails them ties into my pop culture pick. Ooh. Um, I chose a show, uh, a limited series from FX, also on Hulu, mm-hmm. uh, called Mrs. America. Ooh. So let's start with the cast. Kate Blanchett. Boom. Rose Byrne. Yes. Uzo Aduba. Yeah. Elizabeth Banks. Come on. Margot Martindale. Sarah Paulson. Like, all Come, the I, ladies. I, yeah. It's fantastic. All the ladies. All the ladies. So the show starts in the early 1970s with Phyllis Schlafly, who is played by Kate Blanchett. And she's an extremely smart, politically conservative woman and mother of five. That's a lot of kids. That's too many. She's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Mothers nope, out nope, there. That's too many. It's that's too many too, for me. Uh, for all of you, oh, that's way beautiful. too many for me. It's uh, <laughs> five too many for you. So Phyllis has been writing about and advising politicians on nuclear disarmament for years and even running for office, but she just can't get traction. She's trying to hang with the boys, Mm -hmm. but continually rebuffed. Then she hears about the Equal Rights Amendment, which which at the time was a proposed amendment to the Constitution that added gender to protected rights. And at this point in the story, early 70s, it's got the support of both Democrats and Republicans, which think about that for a second right fascinating and it easily passes the house and the senate so it just needs to be ratified by 38 states so again think about that the republicans supported this that shows how different our politics are now which is kind of the point of the show which i didn't quite understand at first um Phyllis spots an opportunity. She is surrounded by housewives that feel like the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment, will cast judgment on their choices Mm. um, and cause their daughters to be drafted. So Phyllis starts a Stop the ERA campaign. And over the next 10 years, it grows massively. The show focuses on her, but also the group of feminists that are working towards the passage of the ERA, which include Gloria Steinem, Bella Abzug, Shirley Chisholm, and more. Now, I was really hesitant to watch this because I thought it was going to be all about Phyllis Schlafly and it would make her sympathetic. And I did not want to be sympathetic to Phyllis Schlafly. Right. um, Because I knew the history and I just didn't want to deal with it. But our listener, the one that created uh, Peach Cobbler for us, her and her lovely wife, they highly recommended this show. And so I I gave in. I gave in as I always should to them. And it was so good. It took so many different angles. It focused on each of the different characters. It was just really thorough, but also so compelling, so fascinating. Really loved it. I chose it for this theme because from the start, I think, and we've kind of alluded to this, I don't think women have ever been included in the American dream. Right. You know, like we were literally property for the men Mm -hmm. for most of our history. Um, And interesting to talk about that now since we've just experienced 100 years of women having the right to vote out of 250 years of our country. So cool, 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 cool. Um, 
Let and me tell you, we could have stopped a few left turns. <laughs> oh, shit, we could have. We could have. And then, you know, of course, it was mostly white women that got the vote right. in 1920. You know, black mm-hmm. women and other women of color didn't get it until maybe the 60s, 70s. You know, they're still fighting for the goddamn right to vote. They could have stopped a bunch of left turns as well. Yeah. So many times to write this ship. Yep. Mm-hmm. But it didn't. Anyway, so... I think in the 20th century, you know, we've made huge strides, right? We got mm-hmm. the vote. We changed the sexual culture. We pushed women into positions of power. And as this show, Mrs. America, shows, we came so close to enshrining our equality. As the show goes on, almost all the states are ratifying the ERA until this Stop the ERA campaign starts mm-hmm. kicking in. Um, instead, White women, particularly, decided to cast their lot in with white men in order to have some power, as has been happening again. I think that's the story so much right now of the the women that are supporting Trump. I think that's what's happening right Mm -hmm. there. Um, I think this show is so good because it, it really confronts that history. It shows that black women and lesbians were never fully included in the ERA conversations from the start. So as as, you know wonderfully well you know intended this was it was never fully complete and due in large part to phyllis and her campaign this stop the era campaign was very much responsible for the republican party turning to the religious right as it did Mm. in reagan's era as it's doing again today sort of organized around keeping women in their place so you're gonna leave feeling kind of disgusted but also you know, as I mentioned, one of my fears about watching the show, I didn't want to be sympathetic to Phyllis right, Schlafly. Yeah, yeah, but absolutely. goddamn Kate Blanchett, she made me sympathetic to Phyllis Schlafly. Just a uh, little bit. Yeah. Just a little yeah. bit. Like, there's so many moments, and she can play bad so good. Mm-hmm. And there's so many moments where you're just like, oh, you're a terrible human being in every single way. Yeah. But uh, there's a final moment that just really kicks in what this was all about for her and, you know, what she wrought from all this. Mm. So... Fantastic show. Highly recommend. Okay. It's on my list. Well, I, uh, for this pop culture pick this week, I decided that I'm going to bring to the table a favorite show of mine. Oh. Um, It's probably not for everyone yet again, but as most of my picks this week, but Mm -hmm. um, it's called The Prophet. It's on CNBC. It started in 2013. Um, It features Marcus Limonis, who is the son of immigrants who came over here. He owns... um, camper world if you're familiar with that it's hmm. a bunch it's a really large um, franchise of like rv stores and he's made a lot of money at that and so he started this show um to go out to small businesses and help them that are oh. struggling by either helping them with their process or helping them with a cash infusion um sometimes he invests in it to have a part in the company but and that in and of itself could be seen, I suppose, nefariously, like, oh, he's going after these businesses that are failing and getting a part of it cheap mm. or something. But that's really not, in my opinion, what he's doing. He's really going into these businesses who would otherwise fail and would lose things and helping save people's jobs. He's incredibly good at recognizing what's actually going on in a situation. I've seen in a lot of episodes him pick out someone that was really doing the brunt of the work and maybe not recognize for it and either advocate for them to get ownership or a raise or, you know, whatever it is that's going to help their circumstance. Um, and I think it speaks to me, obviously, as a small business owner, but I also think 
I like it for the American dream because, first of all, he shouldn't have been able to achieve what he achieved Mm -hmm. by our definition of the American dream. And he's very cognizant of that and wants to give back because of that. Um, And also, I think that as a small business owner, and, you know, I was fortunate enough to get the opportunity to own a business in the first one that I owned in my later 20s. I was unprepared. I mean, Mm -hmm. I didn't understand all of the facets and things that went into that. And there's no one to teach you. That's Mm -hmm. not a, no matter what classes you, courses you take in college or business books you read, it's not going to prepare you for some of the decisions and some of the hard things. And those hard things aren't accounting or figuring out numbers. They're making decisions about people. Um, They're making decisions about profitability they're making decisions about what your company means in a community and no one helps you with that so to see him mentor someone is for me it's inspiring and I really enjoy that part of it Um, a few of the episodes that I really like there's one um, that he did in Florida at a key lime pie shop it's like the best key lime pie in Florida supposedly and he went in there and the manager it was terribly mismanaged but he had this wonderful woman who was just so dedicated to him working all the time (laughs) <laughs> Louise likes the key lime pie shop too. So you got right up there. Louise just extended her paws like she was gauging the distance. Yeah, it's happening. On how I to think. jump. Uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, she's pregnant at the time and she's dedicated and this guy really hasn't given her any reason to be. She just really likes the customers, all of that. And Marcus advocates she ends up owning a part of it. She ends mm. up running it for him. Um, she's seen in future episodes running other parts of his company. He's very good at bringing people together and allowing them to kind of multiply. And um, it's also super entertaining because there's people that say they want help. We all know those people. Oh, and then they don't want of help. Of course. So that's always fun to watch. Oh, Just meltdowns. Yeah. And that's interesting. And I have to say, what I like about him is that he's not like, he doesn't get in the muck. Like, he's not Gordon Ramsay putting bread on your face calling you a <laughs> idiot sandwich. Like, he's just... He listens to the meltdown. Sometimes mm-hmm. he's really good at getting underneath if it's just fear or how can I help you? You seem yeah. to be insecure in this moment. And sometimes he just recognizes for what it is and says, hey, I enjoyed meeting you. It doesn't look like we can work together. Yeah. And he walks away. And I have wow. a ton of respect for that, too. For sure. I really like him. I really like the way that he does the show. Um, it's interesting. It has a lot of great information. So, And it has a special place in my heart because the very first time I ever saw it was the night after I gave birth to Mason in the hospital. Oh, yeah. so you were in a highly emotional state. I was, and I, I was flipping. Mike had to leave for, I had, like our garage door was stuck open or something. There's something real it weird. sounds he had like to an leave. excuse, Mike. Yeah. What are yeah. you leaving for? No, it was our two older that were like, we got the garage door stuck open. <laughs> so he had to go, and I remember the nurse came in. I got a little orange sherbet cup, and oh, I was watching yeah. The Prophet. Some sherbet and yeah. The Prophet. Wow. Yeah. And The Prophet is spelled like money profit, not like okay. profit, you oh, know, Muhammad or something. I was yeah. thinking it was the other, and I was like, that's quite a title no. to name yourself. No. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, I think there's a little play on words yes, there. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I was in. I was like, this is fascinating. What is this? Yeah. So I always remember watching that episode. I can see it right now in my head in the (laughs) hospital bed watching that little TV. Like, I want to take this moment for myself. Yeah. Because I won't have many of these going forward. Mason sleeping right there Mm -hmm, in that bassinet. mm -hmm. Oh, is that the quietest he's ever been? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Probably. I did tell you when he was born, though, that Mike and I were both like, oh, no immediately 
because they put him on my chest, which they do with all babies. Yeah, yeah. And babies at that age are notoriously weak, and you're supposed to support their heads and necks and all of that stuff. And the nurse put him on my chest, and he promptly lifted his head all the way, made eye contact with me, and put his head back down. (laughs) And Mike and I looked at each other, and I was like, what have I done? Because even the nurse was like, did he just lift his head up? And I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. That was a sign mm-hmm. of uh, all that's come to pass. Mm-hmm. That was also the nurse that was like, there's no way this baby's more than six pounds. And I was like, listen, <laughs> it's been on my bladder for nine months. It is an eight pound baby. Mm-hmm. And he was, in fact, over eight pounds. So he was good at trickery even then. God, that trickster. Yeah. That's and a good like, name yeah, for me. Yeah. Head up. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. He's like, I want to check out this situation. I want to see who I was living inside. Yeah. And there she is, and I'm not impressed. Yeah, I yeah. don't know what to think about this. <laughs> what? Your voice does not match your face. Although, these days during quarantine, he's your best friend. He is. We are best. Yeah. We are best he's friends. He's informed you that. Multiple, multiple times. times. Yeah. Yeah. Gets it's, real nervous when you're not around. Yes. Mm-hmm. I do have mm-hmm. to keep him abreast of my whereabouts at all times. So... <laughs> You're living with a little prison warden. Yeah, it's gotten a little codependent. I have some concerns for down the road, but you know what? I'm going to ride it right now. It's 2020. And I'm going to use it when he's 16. Uh, There you go. What happened? I thought we were best friends. I thought we were best friends. You got to tell me everything. Where are you going? Yeah. Aren't we going to spend Friday night together? I thought I wasn't allowed to leave. Why are you allowed to leave? Exactly. Hmm. I wasn't allowed to go to the bathroom by myself. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'd let him go to the bathroom by himself. Anyway. Well, damn, Aaron, we came in hot again. Oh, so hot. Yeah. But it's not as hot in the studio this time. No, no. It's a temperate 80-something, whereas whereas before it was maybe in the 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Today feels like we just got in the sauna. Last week was like, we've been in the sauna for three hours. One of us is going to pass out. (laughs) Do not put more water on the rocks. What are you doing? (laughs) I think we've done what we came to do. We have. Yeah. We absolutely have. So now it's time to back out slowly. <laughs> slowly. Drop everything. Back out slowly. We will be back next Wednesday. And until then, happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they're coming out of me, and... To me, I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. (laughs) Because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. 
Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D, Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you.